This is Catalog and Cocktails. Hello, everyone. It's Wednesday once again, and it's time for Catalog and Cocktails. It's an honest, no BS, non-salesy conversation about enterprise data management. I'm Tim Gasper, product guy and data nerd, and joined by Juan Cicada. Hey, Juan. Hey, Tim, how are you doing? I'm Juan Cicada, um, the principal scientist here at Data.World. And as always, uh, Wednesday, middle of the week, end of the day, and start to go celebrate uh, talking about data because we've made it to the middle of the week. And uh, today we're going to have a fantastic conversation about jobs and data science and all this stuff that's just so many jobs around there. And our guest today is Daniel Oberdiri. She's the founder of Decayo Data and the host of the popular <laughs> podcast Data Femme. Danielle, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I love Wednesdays. It's, you know, like you said, making it to the middle of the week. Very big accomplishment. I <laughs> <laughs> okay, agree. So let's start off. With, what are we drinking and what are we toasting for today? Well, I know I told you I would be drinking wine. And it's not just because it's Wine Wednesday, but I am the biggest wino in the world. But I have to disappoint. I'm drinking green tea with oat milk in it. Um, I'm not disappointed. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but that is that is a change to my normal MO, I guess. That's totally cool. That's totally a tasty beverage. What are y'all what are y'all drinking? Or do I say the toast first? <laughs> well, we can share what we're toasting what, what we're drinking first and then we'll toast. How about you, Tim? What are you what are you drinking? Uh, I made a Mano War, which I guess is named after a famous uh, racehorse. Um, so that's what I'm drinking right now. Well, what's in it, though? I don't... <laughs> it's uh, bourbon, triple sec, uh, lemon, and vermouth. Okay, nice. Kind of like a Manhattan a little bit. Yeah, like, it's like kind of like a whiskey orange, sour but... meets Manhattan kind of, you know, with a triple sec. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. Gotcha. And I, I wanted to make an old fashioned, which I haven't had one in a while, uh, but I didn't have any oranges. So um, I just had, I said it was a bourbon, I had agave, and I had a lot of bitters. So I put a lot of different bitters in here, and this is really good. So hmm. I don't know. A bit good. of blend. <laughs> a, a bit. <laughs> there we go. So, Toasty, what are we toasting for? Um, Let's toast towards. Fall 2021 and all the data we're going to process before the end of the year. <laughs> There's a lot of data to be processed by the end of the year. That's for sure. Well, I'll <laughs> toast to that. Cheers. 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 Welcome to the so, show. So we have our, our warm-up question of the day, which is, uh, what was the very first job you ever had? Well, so <laughs> Decayo Data is actually my second business that I've owned, um, started. And my first one is a fashion business called AK Karani, where I would knit like hand knit and crochet, um, just like fashion items or household items. And I would sell them, but then there was always the social mission behind it of, you know, crafting as therapeutic for mental health and anxiety. So that, that was my first job just because that's the first thing that actually paid me. Um, <laughs> And that's so like, cool yeah i mean I, it's it's a privilege i know because growing up you know most people have to work and i was doing all my hobbies doing music still knitting <laughs> but not selling yet um so yeah that was that was my first job and i learned a lot um that i can apply now to my second business well that's cool how about you tim 
What was your first job? I, I wish that my first job was was that entrepreneurial and for that good of a cause. I was um, I was washing dishes at a an Asian restaurant, and uh, I tell you what, I got really good at scrubbing off that wasabi. It would get really crusted on there, and I figured it out. Did you get free sushi from it at least? I did. I did. I yeah. did get a lot of free sushi and Asian food, so that was one of the benefits. Well, my first job was a summer camp counselor. Uh, so they worked the whole entire summer uh, working with kids between the ages of, I don't know, five and 15. So that was uh, an interesting summer for the same. But I really enjoyed it. I actually <laughs> went back to the following summer and did, and did, uh, it was like, I was, I mean, I guess my second job was the same as my first job. So really enjoyed it. I, I bet you were one of the cool counselors. The kids <laughs> liked you. I would hope so. Oh, hope so. Maybe. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> that was my, being a camp counselor was like my, fourth job or something maybe <laughs> so oh, nice. I, it's i love it i love uh, it i was a camp counselor too at one point so we've got a whole team okay, of counselors okay. here well i guess in, in some way we always have to be counselors for our jobs here with data so let's uh, dive into this honest no bs uh, discussion so okay daniel we've been a decade now into whole data science and we look at the job descriptions for data scientists and data engineers and data analysts and and they're all over the place. So the honest, no BS. How the heck are we supposed to sift through all this confusion in the job market? Carefully. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so um, it's really difficult because the problem is oftentimes the person um, in charge of putting these job positions up is an HR professional that just isn't um, – trained in the ways of data. And so it's very hard to describe what a data scientist will be doing if you don't know. And it's not their fault. Um, it's just that companies need to make sure that the person in charge of posting is also a data scientist. Um, I've written about this a lot of my decayodata.com blog. I've talked about it with people on DataFem. Um, and I think, you know, sometimes people say the solution is to have, you know, a person like the superior, the person who's going to be your manager, um, write the job position. But I mean, come on, like everybody's busy. So it is kind of it is kind of hard to reach a consensus on what these positions are when you're too busy just working. Um, and that is where I come in because I'm someone who consolidates everything happening in the data science industry and trying to, you know, make everybody connected, um, at least in certain ways. So uh, basically, and we can dive into this more with whatever your questions are, but basically what I see um, as the difference between data analyst, data scientist, data engineer, business analyst, is just different levels of responsibility and innovation. So I don't, I haven't seen it phrased that way before, but an analyst works with existing data. You know, like if I'm an analyst, I go into work and I just kind of, you know, type around and do calculations that everybody knows how to do. And that's a very, very vital service, but it's not innovative usually. A data scientist is going to t basically take more responsibility for, are we processing the data right? 
can we make this easier for the analysts? Here's the type of, um, you know, approach we should take. And also visualization is a big deal for data scientists. I don't see analysts doing as much of the whole process that way. Like an analyst will kind of clean up the data, but then the data scientist comes in and is like, here, we got to get you ready for your annual report, you know? Um, and so there's just like levels of responsibility difference in that. Um, data engineer, when I think of that, I think of really hardcore machine learning and AI putting projects up um, that didn't exist before um really really getting into the thick of machine learning innovation um and that can be through natural language processing that can be through um logistic regressions that you know you do um in r by importing python packages in i mean you know everybody has everybody has um a lot of experience with that kind of craft if you're a data engineer. So, but I'm confused. Why are you putting that last part uh, bucket into like the data engineers? I mean, that's what traditionally you hear more as a data scientist. I, you know, I'm not totally clear on how a data engineer differs completely from a data scientist, but what I would tell you and i'm sure a lot of people in my field will disagree which is the point we should be arguing arguing nicely about this because mm -hmm. there is no consensus right now what i would say about a data scientist is it seems like a data scientist is more forward facing than an engineer usually is like an engineer um does a lot of back-end programming but might not be the one who's presenting i feel like the data scientist role requires more communication with analysts more communication with business executives um the data engineer will report to somebody but i feel like they are behind the scenes a little more does that make sense <laughs> no i i agree with that the data scientist kind of being more well, I, I don't know if they're going to be always forward facing, like talking to people, because not all, I mean, you have to have people skills and, and to go do that. And they may not all have that, but they're definitely, I would, I would, I would, I would argue that they are definitely doing more things that are kind of more, uh, the, 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 the front office is going to be seeing more of that impact while the data engineers are kind of more in the back office and, and, and they don't, you don't even like, well, what are they actually doing? Well, they're making sure that the machines are running in a way, right. But they might, might not be that evident of what's yeah. going on with the front office. And also their projects are more long-term, you know, like a data engineer's project could be a three-year saga before it ever hits the light of day. Um, and I feel like the data scientist's workflow is a little bit more in and out, you know? Um, and also it's the languages too that they use. When I hear data scientists, I can be pretty sure that you know Tableau, that you've at least tried Power BI, um, that you have a working understanding of Python or R, um, and you are kind of, you know, trained in some kind of database saying like SQL. And with a data engineer, I don't like all my data engineer friends don't really use Tableau 
they're like, they know what it is. They know it's a big company, but they're not the people doing that. Um, also, I'll say, like, just the uses of these languages, you know, like, Python is so freaking robust, you know, are not as much, but it can do a lot. And I feel like, you know, both data scientists and engineers do have to have a working understanding of how statistics fits into the programming that you're doing. But just, you know, the types of things you're doing will be different. A data, a data scientist is probably using, you know, Python, um, like Python packages to visualize or to sort a lot of like name matching um, stuff like that. And then I feel like shiny apps, it could go either way, but it really is. It really comes back to different levels of responsibility and innovation, even if you are using the same tools. And what we have to do is make it clear because I'm willing to say that a data engineer at one company is going to be doing the same things as a data scientist is at another company. That's okay. The job position just needs to be really clear. And over time, you know, people will start to talk about their experiences more and it'll be, it'll be more clear, I hope. But to do that, we have to have some organization and some communication around it that's not just a Google search. So this conversation is right. <laughs> yeah, that, that's this is super interesting, and I and I like that you're approaching this in a slightly different way, or you know, with some some more nuanced opinion here. Because first of all, it seems like uh, one of your your statements, one of your conclusions here, is that the titles aren't very good descriptors these days. Like you kind of need to look at the job description itself mm -hmm. and look at what are the responsibilities that they're listing out here and what are the experiences that they're looking for? Because those, first of all, are going to be a bigger hint as to what this company is probably looking for. And then for employers, that that is probably where you need to focus your attention in terms of communicating to the market what you're looking for, right? And there's a lot of problems too that come up just because people don't know what they need, but they hear they want to hire a data scientist to yes. be hip and use the beer tap at, you know, said co-working space. Like <laughs> I <laughs> that can't get more honest, no BS than that, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I, that. I just watched um the WeWork documentary. So that's like fresh in my mind. About <laughs> that's why I said said co-working space. Um, New Orleans never got a WeWork, but we do have like beautiful co-working spaces. Anyway, um, some of them have beer taps, some of them don't. Um, <laughs> so I mean, it's like when you hire when you hire a data scientist just because everybody's doing it. Uh, uh you have to have business goals. You have to have at least like a prospectus of what you want this person to accomplish. And the thing is like business people don't always know. That's why we talk about data literacy. There's like a bare minimum that everybody should understand data because data is the language that people already speak. And if you don't kind of know the basics, you're behind, you know? And so I do a lot of career consulting. And every time I come across somebody who like is an analyst or 
is a journalist or is any kind of profession and hasn't thought about how to integrate data or take like a little Coursera Python class, do it because you're going to fall behind and then no one can save you because it's too late. So, so let's, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Let's uh, let's dig in a little bit on on some of these responsibilities that that some of these people have to have and, and have to do. So you've got sort of these data roles, right? And you might have data analysts, data scientists, data engineers, and and then various permutations of of those terms, right? And you know, some add add some adjectives to the front. Um, what are some of the things that you're seeing are more like? shared responsibilities like i think you had mentioned like statistics like it, pretty much all these roles need some level of statistical understanding obviously like engineers maybe more data scientists maybe more uh you know what do you see as like shared responsibilities versus more like specialized responsibilities mm -hmm. that's such a good question i came into the world of data science through statistics i fell in love with statistics i just everything about statistics just opened a whole new world for me. And so I am glad that I don't have to learn the statistics after the fact, after I get really, really good at Tableau. And I'm like, well, I don't know anything about stats. So I as an economics major, I very much agree with you on, on that point. <laughs> there are certain things that are harder to learn later. Um, basically what everybody should have in common though because like we're not talking a lot about the analysts and the analysts are very important um the analysts are there to do what the data science um team directs really i think um and i try i love i love when people are arguing with me because like we have to figure this out and i'm not the be all end all i just observe a lot of different I observe from a bird's eye view on the industry, so that's why I can speak to it. Um, I think like the analysts probably need to have a more day-to-day -day understanding of SQL um, and your company's SQL because that's what you're going to be using to sift around data. Data scientists need to know it enough to access the system and point the analysts in the right direction but i'm not sure i'm not sure it's as essential and for a data engineer i don't think they'll be using sql that much as much as an analyst but it's still a good foundation because why not learn it you know like why not learn it and then be able to apply it to your work in ways that nobody has yet like maybe there's some sequel capabilities that could lead to really great projects and innovations for an engineer mm -hmm. i for one like to plug sequel into r and play around um but sometimes i have more time on my hands than others um <laughs> i think i think python and or r are common for both um excel is important and you should you know when i've done classes or teaching people um about econometrics in r versus eviews remember eviews <laughs> um i always say like sometimes you don't have to like show off and do everything in r or python if the quickest fix is in excel close out open your csv and change it do like a v lookup like 
delete a column. <laughs> I mean, best tool for the job, right? Time is of the essence, you know. So, like, don't get let your pride get in the way. Um, that's what I would say. And so, definitely, like, I feel like statistics is easier to swallow when you're doing it hand by hand on Excel or even math calculations on paper. That's what I did in business school. That's when I started all of this, when like I would have to do the calculations without a computer. And then you really have to understand. And I know that a lot of data analysts, data scientists, not so much data engineers because they really have had to go through so much training, but I feel like a lot of analysts and like, data scientists and business analysts, they don't really get that foundation. Um, and I'm lucky that I do because it really does open up all the capabilities of my favorite language, which is R, and connecting the math to it. And the best data scientists that I know are very rooted in the math. So, so one of the things that I'm that I'm that you've mentioned a couple of times that it's interesting is that the analysts are doing more the day to day, right? Uh, and, and again, I guess one of the a lot of the issues here is these titles, right? So mm -hmm. we're calling analysts and data scientists, and actually, there's a comment here from 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 Jeff saying that yeah, I mean these these the, the, these words kind of like what do they actually mean? Like let's take the word data out of them, and I like how we're dis describing this right here that let's not put t uh, labels on them. So there's folks who deal with the day to day and you've actually mentioned that they're like not that innovative. They're just going, just shipping the, the, the yeah, the, the, we got to go answer this question today. Let's go do that. And then you have another group. They may be innovative as people. Just, just that the work isn't that innovative, right? Just, <laughs> yeah. But it needs to get done. Right. Uh, then there's other, there's another group, a cohort, uh, which is a, kind of the data scientists here, but let's we put the title aside and they're, seems to be doing more of that uh, innovative uh, and they're more forward thinking uh, about what else can be done with, with the data. And then there is more, there's another cohort who is in the back end uh, and, and they're making sure that things are going to be running. And, and it's another interesting aspect I'm looking, I'm getting out of here is that the, the, the projects that the folks in the back end, like we've been calling them the data engineers, they have more long-term uh, projects while the, the 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 front end folks are, or the ones who are dealing with the day to day, they have like more shorter products. We need to go get some stuff quickly. Um, so that's kind of um, summarizing what we've talked up to now. But one of the things that you're, that um, that's still stuck is there's there's this whole cohort that needs to go do the day to day work that isn't that innovative, but needs to get done. Like that's not exciting. How do you get ex how do you hire people to go work on that uh, on that area or or is that just going to get, um, or, or, or is that I get automated by tools or is the data scientist going to go take that on later on? I mean, yeah. Is it a bad time to be a basic analyst? Like, is that the boring job in this trio? <laughs> oh man, I'm going to have a lot of, um, <laughs> that's, that's the point. I know. No BS. I think that, and, and it, here, this is going to be the best answer. I think that that really depends on what your job, what you want your job to be, you know, like, and nobody, nobody should be judged for that. Like for me, I want to always be working. When I wake up at four in the morning, I want to be working, but then at the same time, I want to never be working. 
like you know and that's that is the entrepreneur lifestyle and i am good at that however a lot of people just want to do their nine to five get happy hour with their friends after work and go home <laughs> and that, that is, is a valid lifestyle that I love that answer. That's, that's, that, that, that's, I was thinking right now, like, well, yeah, everybody wants to be innovative and, and, and I guess being innovative or, or saying that you're being innovative or not, like, I don't think we should describe it that way. It's like, yeah, there's just work that needs to get done and, and, and it's very well defined and you can have that lifestyle. You just said, just work your nine to five and you get, you get, you get your, your, your shit done basically. And, and it's providing value. Perfect. Well, is this a friends... statement though about about the analyst role? Because I I know plenty of analysts who have very poor work life balance. So I wonder if, <laughs> if there's something else going on here. Well, I mean, I talk to one of my best friends. I guess I could call her an analyst. Um, she works at a university, and we talk about this all the time because she is a very creative person. She like has a lot of hobbies outside of her work and that's where she chooses to put her creativity into i choose to channel everything i have really into work um and if it didn't make me happy then i would have to adjust that but it does and so it's like we're very different people i still meet her for happy hour but in the like in my head i'm like oh did this person respond to this when am i going to get a check for this when is season 3 starting what <laughs> you know and i don't mind that but i do because i have worked a more analyst type 9 to 5 job in the past it was kind of nice to leave your work at work so I think, uh, like, I don't, and, and also the difference, I'm thinking how to phrase this. The difference is like in how much, and we kind of touched on this earlier, but how much people interaction is involved. I think that if you're a senior analyst, you're definitely managing like analysts who've just started, you have that responsibility. As a data engineer, I'm pretty sure that most companies just want you and your computer to come up with something incredible. And I don't think you're doing as much managing as part of your role. Um, and like data science team leads, still, I feel like there's less hands-on managing and training than if you're an analyst. That is probably, so being a data analyst is probably the closest we have to other industries that have existed for all of time, you know? Um, I don't mean all of time, but you know. Um, <laughs> but, Modern era. Yeah, like no dinosaurs or computers. That, that would be cool, <laughs> but nah. Um, <laughs> so, no, this is fun. Yeah. Um, so I think the structure of an analyst's work is probably more similar to the things we've, we understand and have seen, but going right. up from there, it gets a little dicey and kind of figuring out what the responsibilities are. It's definitely the role that's been around the longest too, right? Um, not, not to say that those are the dinosaurs to go back to that, but um, you know, I, I think what's interesting, uh, I'll make this comment and then I know we want to transition to another topic, which is around actually certifications and some of the things that people can do there. But my last comment here is that um, I honestly, like over the last few years, 
I used to be very in love with the data science title, but I'm, I find myself falling out of love with it. And, and, and I, you know, I, I know we even had like DJ Patil on our show, who is actually one of the sort of the pioneers of the term around sort of data scientists and the field around that. But I feel like a lot of the, the sort of the data scientist role came out of trying to be sort of unique and different and being like, this is a different skill set and a different focus. And you're going to be focused on this different area. And, uh, and it was a way to kind of be like, hey, we want the data scientist, not the analysts. But it feels like the analyst market's actually kind of catching up now. And you've got a lot of modern tools, some, you know, code oriented tools, some more no, no code oriented tools that are aimed at analysts. And I don't know, like, I, I don't know if you two both agree with this or not, but like, I find myself feeling like the distinction between a data scientist and, a, and, and an advanced analyst, like somebody who is more of a senior analyst or a very capable analyst is starting to go away. And I kind of like, like, we've got analysts, we've got in, engineers, data engineers, right? We've got sort of hybrids that are sort of these analyst engineers, right? Uh, and then we have data product managers who are sort of leading and organizing these teams. So perhaps they're a little bit more the sort of the, the front person, the front office person. I don't know. Am I, am I crazy in thinking this or am I, you know, is this a, a valid crazy. perception? No, this is very valid. And it made me think of, it made me think of a new kind of way to talk about the structure, which is that like, data analysts exist to basically carry out and try out what the engineers and the scientists come up with. So basically like the engineer says, okay, this is how we're gonna, this is this, this is my module, you know, this is what it does, go to town. Let's see if this makes us more money. The analysts are kind of the test subjects in a way. I mean, of course the consumer is, but like the analysts and how well they can like you know, well, meaning efficiently and um, with the least errors, like the most accuracy, how can they carry out basically the larger mission, which is directed by the business, but also determined by what the data engineers and scientists can come up with. So, you know, it's like you, you, you filter down like they they may have less responsibility the analysts but at the same time they are the ones who are trying out the company's new way of doing things new systems and you know if they're not happy with how efficient it is or there's errors between analysts you know like analysts are a big workforce and if different analysts are coming up with different results that's important you know and then that information travels back up Mm -hmm. back up the you know pipeline food chain whatever you want to call it so um, we got you know data scientists are chopping down the trees we've got data engineers laying down the road and then we got analysts driving on the road or coming up with like a new electric saw that just like cuts through the whole forest mm. <laughs> and then <laughs> and then obviously there are risks there and unfortunately the analysts are going to be the ones that experience those risks first you know um data scientists would be the people kind of stepping back one level but still really witnessing it on the scene and the engineer goes to sleep and wakes up to total destruction if they didn't do well <laughs> so what uh, kind of getting into into the takeaways already because you've, you've you've made me think about about this on the front end and the back end and I, we make these analogies all the time with, with software. And in software, you talk about front-end engineers and then back-end engineers. You think about full-stack engineers. 
And again, let's just put these titles away of data science, data engineer, and all that stuff is, I think you're going to have people dealing with data on the front end, the front office. You have people dealing with data in the back office, right? And this is like to let the infrastructure go run. And then on the front office, you have to go deal with being clever, cool new things, uh, doing with the day-to-day -day stuff, right? And there's different types of front office types of approaches. Um, that's how I'm, I'm looking. I'm, I'm realizing that we should be looking at these roles. And and and, and as you mentioned, right, in, in one place, a data engineer for somebody, another place is going to be the data scientist. Like at the end, it's really think about is this more front office work or is this more back office work? And, and then you can have folks who are the full stack. I can do from the back to the front and all, all over. So um that that that's what I'm that, that that's kind of I think I've already given my takeaways here. I'll repeat that at the end, but no, I have I'm, something to say about that for sure. Um, and I'm glad you brought up the whole full stack engineer, uh, more of the coding terms because I mean, as I, I've been watching the new Gossip Girl, and I can quote it almost as well as the old one. Um, <laughs> Google is your friend. Somebody says that, and so <laughs> and so if Google is your friend. What that means is I don't like JavaScript. I don't know anything about it. I don't know like how to use D3 libraries. However, I can use those plugins in R. I can geocode, transfer it from R into a JSON file and then upload it to, you know, a site that might be outdated, but like Gephi or something, you know? Mm -hmm. So sometimes it's like, like I'm comfortable in R, but sometimes I'm going to have to look something up to, you know, incorporate some kind of front end programming into yeah. data projects. I think this is a common theme that we've always seen, Tim, here is that we just do all these analogies of data with software, right? And this is just another one, too. Um, yeah. I, so I wanted to get into the, well, something we talked about before is on the certifications and stuff like, so in the, right now, like what are the opportunities that you're seeing for people to go take certifications? How do they become more marketable in, in this job market right now? I've always been a huge fan of certifications and it's an ongoing discussion of which ones are the most important, but you know, moving to Louisiana, I found that having a trade is really, really a cool thing. Um, and, you know, you gain a reputation in your career by having that trade. And so that's kind of how I view data science in this way. It's very hands-on. And like, the thing is, as somebody who has multiple degrees, I can't tell you that what I learned at Tulane is the same as what my friend is learning at Wharton, you know? Um, that's not a that's not a Tulane and Penn. I said <laughs> um, that that analogy didn't fly as well as I wanted it to. Um, but you know, like you you can't you can't look at a degree. Employers can't look at a degree and see what you know. Whereas a Tableau certification, yeah, okay, you're competent. We know what you've had to know. It's easy for employers to kind of vet what the certifications test and then really kind of assume that you have that skill set. You know, your degrees, your jobs, that's awesome. But there's too much variation there. And there's like 
just too much variability in all the degrees and jobs that you might have had that that's not the most efficient way for an employer to be like, okay, they know their way around SQL. They know their way around Python. And this is what they've done in Python because Python is like such a robust language that you can like divide it up into different things. Like, what do you use it for? Um, and I know for a fact that like two years ago, the Tableau conference was here in New Orleans. They transformed the Ernst Memorial Convention Center from like a graveyard to like this white plush heaven. Um, then they took it all away. But <laughs> while, while we were there, we as in my class, um, we were given like we were we were given just these cards for free vouchers to get certified in Tableau, you know, because that's what really matters um, to these companies is to get people certified. I mean, I've seen a lot, of, like I've seen a lot of people um, be certified in like um, CMA or like, you know, you take your financial certifications or three levels um, and Salesforce, huge one. Um, so, I mean, there's just so many for, there is a certification for any trade you're in. Like, I know that I was, I don't really like accounting, but I was in an accounting class where I got a free voucher to take, um, you know, the managerial accounting uh, test. I didn't end up getting around to it because other things were more important, but it is nice to know that that exists. You can always find something that will take you to the next level and that means more money you know like somebody with a series seven somebody with a series 65 who works at goldman sachs as an investment banker is more worth more money than somebody mm -hmm. who doesn't have it and it reminds me of like one of the actors on the tv show lost was saying like the more you can do the more you don't need a stunt double the more you're going to get paid, you know? So like he so threw his own knives because he this is, wanted, you know? Yeah. Okay. So th th this is a very strong statement then. Yeah. Go get more certifications. More certifications makes you more marketable and opportunity to, to go get a better job and get paid more. Yeah. I mean, you have to, what I would say, Okay, so me, I'm a free agent. You know, if I got um, a certain certification, I would pay for it myself or get somebody to sponsor me, maybe. But the thing is, if you're at a firm, if you're at a big company, and a lot of my, you know, people that I talk to on DataFem or come across on social media in the industry, a lot of them are. They're at big companies doing data science. And you just need to kind of like when you're in college and you don't go to the guidance counselor, you don't go to career services. I'm not saying those things will change your life, but why not use them? Why not find out what certifications you can get for free at your job? That's just like, that's just normal. Like, you know, I mean, maybe it's not normal because we're all overwhelmed, but it should be like when you. Yeah. So this is, like, this job, is interesting. So our jobs, the company should be offering these certifications now for all their employees, right? Because you want you want them to be, uh, yeah, you want them to be more learn things, and and, and they're basically investing in their and in their employees. So I think that's something we need to start seeing. Well, I think 
they already do and the, the it's just that people don't take advantage of it and that's okay but if we're talking about certifications as the next new proof that you can do something and then your company is going to offer you a free opportunity to do that maybe even training sessions after work i mean like there's so many resources for free at your company that you can take advantage of and it's important to do that if you're looking to advance because yeah. it's a competitive market out there. I know a lot of people who are, um, I'll just call them like certification skeptical. Like uh, I can, I can remember a conversation I have, I had recently where um, uh, I was encouraging somebody to get a, a certification in a, in a, in a BI tool. Uh, and they were like, yeah, no, like I, I can figure it out. I'm going to learn it on the, on the job and that kind of thing. And, I think in general, we all try to be very self-sufficient and, um, and, and we're like, oh, no, I don't need a certification to do that. But uh, it seems like there's a lot of benefit to that. And we should try to like uh, change our minds around that, especially if your employer is going to be encouraging of you doing that on, on the company's dime and on company time, right? Well, it's like, why does it hurt? You know, it's funny when you said certification, what did you say? Skeptical. I, like, yeah, skepticism. I thought about pronouns. I was like, I identify as certification. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you see me Put laughing. that in your Twitter profile. <laughs> and, your, and your email signature. <laughs> um, no, I think that, yeah, it's, it's, it's just a way to prove to it's like global entry why wait in line when you can have global entry and you know <laughs> bypass the line certifications will have you bypass the line because they're like oh they have this well, certification. Hold on. is that true well, well so is that a given or is that kind of very employer employer specific like well employers like oh i'm going to put on the top of the pile of folks who have certifications i'm looking for an analyst and they need to go tableau so if they have a tableau they go to the top of the pile or or, or people are like, eh, I don't believe that. It's just, I'm not giving too I, much. I like the that. certifications. I think it's a good thing. I um, mean, I can't speak for every employer, but I will say that people are lazy and want to do things with the least amount of effort. So, like, if I have to call up my friend at IBM, say, and be like, okay, what did this analyst do exactly? You know, what did she what – what were her major tasks? What does this mean? Versus just see, oh, you know, are certified. I'm going to do that, <laughs> you know, and, 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 and I'm not saying I won't be thorough, but I'm, it's just like you put yourself at the front because you've already proven on a standard system that you know this stuff. That's yeah. the thing. How, how do you make it easier on employers and things like that? I, I know personally looking at resumes for data roles, you know, scrolling for like, do they use the word Python? Did they use Python or anything? Right. And like, and, and if you see like, oh, certified, you know, took Coursera course on Python or like went to Python boot camp, boot camp or something like that. I mean, they may not have the, the ceiling that you're looking for. Right. But you now, you know, they have the floor. Right. And you're like, oh, OK, good. They at least know Python and we can grow them from there. So, I mean, I, I think it can be really helpful in that way. Yeah, I think it's just standard, like now I'm going to be talking about stats and their application to real life, which is my favorite thing in the world. It's like normalizing your data. That's what the certifications do. You are not comparing apples to oranges anymore. You are saying that this one experience that can be quantified very easily is something that this person and these people have. You know, like maybe it's, it is 
entirely, entirely probable that there are so many people in your employee pool that are way more qualified than the person who has the certification. However, that's that like that person you have, there's just less proof and people like proof. So the thing is like, yes, maybe you are the biggest like rock star of ArcGIS or Salesforce or whatever, you know, maybe you're so good at it, then why not get the certification? Why not just do it? Because if you're that good, like prove it, you know, don't, don't rely on employers to go do the like dirty work for you of researching what you might or might have done, you know, save that for your interview, which you will probably be more likely to get if you have a certification. I'm actually, I'm really, really, really on the investigative team with this. <laughs> like I, I would love, I would love the statistic of people with certifications are X percent more likely to get hired in data science. I will find that statistic. I, I would love to I see that. that that's, a, that's a fascinating <laughs> question right there. Some I bet some of the HR tools like Breezy and things like that have some of this data. I'd, lo- I'd love to see that. Um, yeah. All right. But the call out if anybody from Breezy or these HR tools are listening out. like uh, Yeah. Calling all. Yeah. Does anybody have a good data set? We're looking for a data set here. Um, <laughs> So, you know, we talked a lot about certifications just now. Uh, Danielle, you're very involved in, in the data community online as well as in person. Uh, what, what else really helps people to stand out other than, you know, certifications in this market? And, and also, you know, how does the community play into this? You know, does that, is that also a big factor here? I mean, you probably know what I'm going to say. Networking. You have to network. I remember being so annoyed with one of my business school classmates who I would like try to bring to networking events with me. And she's like, I don't really need to do that. I'm like, when am I going to get this through to you that that is the only thing that really gets you hired? The knowledge is so important. But if you can't tell people, if you can't have casual conversations like these about the things that you know, you're not going to get anywhere. I got my company to pretty much like the top of the industry in less than two years because I networked constantly on Twitter. I, I, um, you know, went to conferences. I kept in touch. I developed relationships for fun, for leisure, because it's like networking doesn't work when you're not genuine about that connection. And so it's a talent, it's, you know, a motivation, a drive. It's just not, it's not something that everybody is good at, but it is something that you need to at least get better at because I do believe that most humans want to connect with at least somebody. And so don't, you know, when you're networking, when you're at these like functions with the free cheese and the, you know, open bar and, I miss that. And- <laughs> I, I love it. So yeah, you, you got to take advantage of your community and you got to network. I think that's because you the really folks who are going to be networking are the ones who are going to go ahead, right? But network and have certifications. You're already getting ahead of the crowd. 
I think with networking too, I really, really, really want to drive this home to everybody. You will have to be genuine. People can tell when you are networking and just throwing pitches and don't give a damn about, yeah. you know. Hey, that, that, that's why our uh, we're the honest, no BS. Uh, that's our tagline here. We take it for, we were so true for that because I think uh, in, in this, during the whole pandemic and us being remote, like this is something that we need to go do. Uh, I mean, that's why we started this whole podcast was because we wanted to go network. I mean, honestly, it was, well, it was, it was Tim and I trying to go uh, just we thought we had good ideas and topics and we talked about it and people were paying attention. And then we wanted to go network with more people. Let's go invite people. So I I'm fully with you that yeah. networking is crucial here. And you can't just go to conferences and, and rub shoulders anymore. You know, I mean, obviously, we're starting to get back into that. But like, you know, through this pandemic, it's been like you got to find creative methods. Well, and it's also like you have to think of it about it from like a personal perspective, too, because, you know, what if somebody is literally the person who could take you to the next level in your career, but you don't get along? It, that that's okay yeah. because there is somebody else who's your freaking soulmate who had, who does all the same things. And so in the industry, it's really fun to see at conferences, like, yes, we all get along. We all have respect for each other, but like who's hanging together, you know, that, that makes a difference. You know, that's how I know a lot of my information because I've been, I will take the time to sit and actually talk to you about you know, not just your work, but like your hobbies and like which paintings you like and where you like to do, you know, your exercise and like, mm -hmm. are you an Olympic swimmer? You know, like <laughs> I will talk, I will talk to you about all of those well, things. And, and, that, and, that's, and that's the whole thing about being uh, genuine. I think that's a, that's an important thing when you go after network. Hey, I, I told you it's almost 50 minutes in, like we could keep talking for hours around this. I, I, I love this, but we want to get into our, our, our lightning round session. Uh, so we got a couple of questions here going on. So I'll go first. Um, is the data engineering or let's call it the back office community growing faster than the data science, the front office community? Yes or no? No. <laughs> nice. And you go next. Uh, I like that. Um, so an analyst wants to get into like data science and data engineering. And let's say they're kind of coming to you advice for advice here. Um, is machine learning a key skill that they should learn? I think everybody needs to be familiar with it. But the reason that um, I'm trying to be quick because it's a lightning round. The reason that in engineer the engineer community is not growing faster is simply because you have to be more qualified to be an engineer. And those skills take time. It's like, you know, learning a musical instrument. There's some perfection and art to it. Not that, you know, data scientists can't have that, but it's not necessarily required. So they are growing faster than the very, 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 like specifically trained engineers who are the expert of what they do. All right, got next question. Every data role should be competent in SQL. Is that true? I think so at this point. Yeah, because even if you're not really, I mean, of course, you're working with databases at any office. Again, think of the dinosaurs. We've always, we've always been working with databases. Maybe they were on paper. Maybe they were scratched somewhere like on a napkin. I don't, I don't care. There's, there's always been databases. And so, yeah, SQL's pretty, SQL's pretty important at this stage. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, everybody talks about R, R versus Python, and there's sort of like this the silent majority, the sequel like lurking in the background. Well, the thing about uh, <laughs> sequel is sequel just helps you work on a team. The reason I'm mm. not that good at sequel is because I don't need it. I don't have a team yet. I don't have, you know, I'm working with me and myself, and I'm also on media. So I don't need to really have that knowledge but any any job you work at you're gonna have to learn sql to communicate with your other team members on the pipeline like the engineers communicate with the data science people and you have to have access to that most people at these firms are constantly logged into sql mm -hmm. yeah it can be kind of the rosetta stone sometimes um <laughs> last question for you lightning around here um Let's say you're an employer and you're looking for somebody to fill a data role. If you can't really articulate what that role needs to be and what your goals are, are you putting the cart ahead of the horse? Or should you go ahead and get that data person and fill them in? So are, are you putting the cart ahead of the horse if you're trying to hire that data person and you don't really know what the job description should be and what your goals are? Yeah, that's, that, that is just a waste of money and everybody's time. You need to be able, because I've been that data scientist who comes in and they don't really know what they want and everybody loses in that case. So, I mean, at least be able to tell this person, I've, I've had it both ways. I, I mean, I've had a really excellent job where they said, look, this is our objective, you know, um, this is the problems we're having. And like, this is what your day-to-day -day is gonna look like. And I was very prepared for that job and I did a lot of good work. But, you know, in the other job where I was just kind of there to be there, I didn't, I didn't. Yeah, know. I've, 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 I've heard a lot of anecdotes about this, right? People are data scientists, but they don't even know what they're doing or they go do something. And then at the end is like, well, nobody is using this. Nobody needed it. But man. or like you don't have access to some of the databases. And exactly. You your senior analysts to help you, but they're busy. They don't want to train the new person. Yeah. <laughs> so all this, this is not prepared. So, well, th this has been a fascinating discussion and we got a, a bunch of notes here and, and it's our T. The TTT, Tim takes it away with takeaways. Tim. I am very happy about some of your advice that came out of here, which I think is very helpful to a lot of our, our listeners and folks that they interact with uh, every day. And that's that, um, you know, don't just do the, the obvious things like, you know, work on your resume and, and you know, uh, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, but also, you know, think about certifications and how that can be something that can really help you to stand out and to be another way that you kind of show off what you're capable of and, and also learn new skills. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, and uh, and networking, the importance of going out there, getting yourself out there, uh, meeting people and, and related to networking. I really liked your comment that you said when you said that, uh, you know, if you're dependent on like a single person to, uh, you know, get that job and, you know, you don't really like them, or you don't trust them. Right. There are other fishes in the sea. It, it immediately had almost like a dating reference to me. They're like, you, you like you don't have to commit yourself to that person. You can find somebody else. Right. Um, and, and I think that's good advice. And, and, and if you feel like you're overly committed to a single person, then uh, then that means maybe you're not networking enough. You need to you need to get out there more. You need to meet more people. Um, and then I liked your comment to the lightning round question around, you know, as an employer, um, you don't really, if you don't know the role, you don't really know the business goals, then, you know, you need to get your house in order, um, uh, in order to really bring in good data people and have them, you know, make an impact. Yeah. And my, my takeaways is, I think I said this before, but let me go repeat it is first of all, there's no single definition for all these titles. Uh, and actually 
uh, we should put those titles aside and you got to really look at the job description if that's what you're looking for. Like, that's really what it is. So forget the title. I'm hiring a data scientist. Look at the job description. And I think the main takeaway for me is this separation, these two cohorts. You got the front office and the back office, right? The front office of data, they're being, they need to be innovative and they also need to get the day-to-day work done of doing things with data and answering questions. And the back office, right? They're implementing that infrastructure. They're creating those multiplier effects and, and making sure that everything is operationally working. Um, and then so you, you can ask yourself, am I more of a front office? Am I more of the back office? Or am I a full stack, right? Do everything. So I think that's the way you should start thinking about things and, and kind of put the titles put the titles aside for now because uh, you think about what is a scientist, what is engineer and analyst, like, yeah, semantics in here. But well, into the office and ask questions about what you'll be doing. Like employees have to be clear on what they want to be doing too, to see if it's mm-hmm. a good fit. Yeah. Well, Danielle, let's throw it back to you. Final two questions. One, what's your advice, broad, about data, about life, whatever? And second, who should we invite next? All right. Well, first, you don't want my advice on life. Um, <laughs> and if I gave that to you, it probably wouldn't make sense anyway. Um, <laughs> but I will say about um, networking, I'm glad that we got to talk about that because that wasn't in our plan, but really like, I just need all of you to take home that be authentic, be genuine, share pictures of, you know, like your cat. I have, I have a cat. Um, or like be, be a person first when you network and there's never going to be a problem for you because people will want to know you. You get their contact naturally. You tell jokes, you have inside jokes, and then later they sponsor your podcast. Um, so I really think, and you can't be, you can't, you can't be, um, it's not going to work if you are authentic, like fakely authentic. Is that a thing? Trying to look authentic when really you just want something out of somebody. You have to genuinely really want to talk to this person. And that's why I said, you know, you're not getting along with this person who could help you to the next stage in your career. Well, there's somebody else with those same skills who's going to like totally vibe with you. You know, so look for those people in terms of next guest. I really I I figured it out early in our conversation. Mallory O'Brien from Amazon. Um, She is very mathy and she is also she's used calculus in creating modules for Twitter and social media. And she's one of my recent podcast guests and she just would be amazing for you guys. So I can put you in touch if you need definitely would would appreciate that thank you yeah yeah danielle well thank you so much appreciate it have a great wednesday uh this is a fantastic discussion and a lot of great takeaways for people who are listening on what to do next go get your certifications go network and think about it think about these jobs not as the titles but more about kind of the front office and the back office yes this was amazing i had a lot of fun there will be a recording right there will be a recording. When I'm talking and talking, I don't always hear myself. And uh, next week, we have uh, Partha Srinivas, who is the chief data officer of Veris, one of the largest data analytics companies in the world. Uh, that's going to be an interesting conversation about, we're going to be talking about ethics and responsibility of data. So cheers. All have a great Wednesday. Thank you. Cheers, Danielle. Thank you. This cheers. is Catalog and Cocktails. Cheers.